What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. Jack Ride and I are back with you all today, and as always, we have another phenomenal episode in store for everyone at home, but before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a great guest coming from the St. Francis football team, Dawson Snyder. Dawson and I got into his career in football and what made him want to continue his football career at St. Francis, what it was like having to decide between basketball and football to pursue in college, how this season has been for himself, as well as the Red Flash and so much more. So if you want to hear about Dawson's career and a little bit about St. Francis football, go check out episode 259 and all 259 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, moving into today, we're going to be joined by a great guest from the IUPUI men's basketball team, Jonah Carrasco. Jonah and I get into his career starting out at not one, but two JUCO schools and how much of an impact playing JUCO basketball has had on his career, what the season outlook is going to be for this IUPUI season and how Jonah thinks his team can build on last season and carry that momentum with them into this year and so much more. So if you want to hear about IUPUI hoops and about Jonah's career, don't go anywhere because here comes Jonah Carrasco. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current men's basketball player for the IUPUI men's basketball team, Jonah Carrasco. Jonah, great to get you on the show today, my friend. How's it going? Going pretty good, man. Thank you for having me, Jack. Absolutely, my friend. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you hopping on. Thanks so much for taking a little time. I know that you just got out of practice, so I'd love to hear how was practice today. Um, it was all right. Could have been a little bit better. Um, we set standards every single day, and we try to meet those um, daily. And we have a lot of uh, young guys, so... You know, they're still learning how to uh, make them standards uh, a standard and continue to do it consistently. Well, with you being one of the older guys on the team, I mean, how have you been able to kind of get those younger guys assimilated into, you know, college basketball and get them kind of used to what's going on? Yeah, man, we got to uh, definitely be put them through the ringer one, um, you know, and let them know the expectations that are for them. You know, I think we preach that a lot that, you know, you guys haven't played, like some of you guys haven't played division one basketball yet and it's not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, nobody really cares, you know, whether if you're, you're hurt, you're, you're not hurt. You're, you had a bad day. Like everyone's competing, um, at a very high level and you have to you just got to bring it. So how would you say the preseason was and going back into the summertime and just, you know, the weeks leading up to practice? I mean, did you feel that, you know, this was a pretty hardworking, good, connected group of guys that you think can really make a lot of noise in the conference this year? Yeah, no, for sure. No, these guys, they, they definitely got their heads on right. Um, they, 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 come, they come to work. Uh, our, I think our preseason was great. Um, a lot of, uh, I think we have a lot more talent this year. Um, and these guys, they, they do listen. Um, it's just a matter of, kind of putting it all together, right? They're not like, um, I don't know what quite the word for it, but like, they're not, they're not people to really just, you know, look us off whenever we're trying to lead and, you know, they're, they're listening and they're trying and that's all you can really ask for. And then, you know, now it's time to sort of like put them all together. Well, it's great that you've had a pretty attentive group of, of freshmen and guys that are, are willing to listen. I think that's one of the, the bigger issues that you get with a younger group of guys coming in is, Hey, I'm 18 years old, 19 years old, and I'm coming from, you know, a high school where I was the number one option. You know, why, 
everything needs to be revolving around me. It's kind of every, I think every 18 year old has that kind of little mentality. I'm sure when we were 18, we probably had that also, but you know, being able to get everybody to buy into that team collective, I think that is, is so great. But Joan, I want to get into your career because you've got a fascinating journey and we can walk our way into where you're at today. I know that coming out of high school, you decided to go the post-grad year doing prep school. And I would love to hear just what went into that decision. Why did you decide to do that? And, and also just how would you kind of, assess that overall experience that you had in prep school? Um, so I'm going to answer that last question first and then I'll, you know, I'll answer the rest of them. So I loved prep school. I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, I would not be here if it wasn't for coach fridge, um, and NLP, my NLP family. Um, but the decision that kind of like led to that is, um, so I'm a late bloomer. I started playing basketball my freshman year of high school. I played soccer and football for the majority. Um, you know, soccer was just kind of like everybody in my family did it. So, you know, they put me in the leagues and, you know, I just stayed with it and whatnot. And I am Mexican too. So uh, you see that like, you know, you watch, you don't watch football, you know, you don't watch basketball growing up, you would watch um, soccer and whatnot. But uh, my freshman year, I, I, I realized I was like, okay, well, I'm tall. Uh, I try this this basketball thing. And I sort of fell in love with it. So, um, being that I was a late bloomer, um, I, I thought, and I heard from my people in my inner circle and they thought it was the best idea to really go prep school. But also at the same time, um, you know, being that I'm from Wichita, Kansas, uh, there's not much, there wasn't a lot of like help in like my recruiting and whatnot. I think I only had two offers. Um, and one of them was almost like a walk on sort of type thing. I was still trying to figure it out for, um, a Juco, um, out in Wichita. And the other one was a, uh, small NAIA school that had like, I think it had like two buildings. Um, and I was just like, I just don't, I don't think all this hard work that I've, you know, put in to my career and, you know, how far I've made it being that I'm a late bloomer. I don't, I just don't, you know, I need something. And, um, a guy named Jason Perez came to me um, and he pretty much asked me because I, I think I was at the gym and he asked me, he was like, hey, man, would you uh, be interested in uh, this organization I'm about to start? It's a postgrad. I was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't really know what that is. I had no idea what that was. And then like I realized I was like, OK, wait, so you're telling me I get an extra year? Like I, like, I can kind of like get back to the same level as all the people in my age and or the age below me or whatever, I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. So I took that chance and uh, decided to go to next level prep. So when you were making that decision between what sport you wanted to ultimately pursue I me, mean, how hard was that for you to walk away from soccer, especially with how long you had played soccer? I just wasn't that good, man. I was, I was tall. Uh, I, I was tall and I wanted to play like midfield and they just kept putting me at goalie. And I just, I just wasn't having it. Uh, and then I played football a little bit, uh, my freshman year. Um, I was, I was all right, but you know, I, uh, my school was just, wasn't the best. And, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, getting hit, getting, you know, thrown around and, you know, nobody was blocking. So I was just like, you know what, it's, this isn't for me. So, and basketball tryouts were coming out. So I was just like, you know, I want to try this basketball thing. I tried out my eighth grade year and seventh grade year, didn't make it in middle school. I was like, I, you know, I was determined to make it my freshman year. So, well, I think you definitely made a, a great decision. I mean, it's clearly paid off for you in more ways than one. And after your postgrad year, you head over to Navarro Junior College. Would love to hear what went into that decision. Why did you decide on Navarro? Um, so I had sort of like a mentor um, slash like she was like family to me. 
Her name was Adrian, and she was a volleyball coach at uh, North. And she worked in one of the classrooms, and I would go in there and help with the special needs kids and whatnot. And she actually took a job out there, and she was the assistant volleyball coach um, uh, the year that I was in prep school. And, you know, I like I noticed that it was a JUCO and whatnot. And and and, and during my prep school time, like I figured out that I wasn't eligible for Division One, um, being that my grades were pretty bad my my during high school and whatnot. So I had to go to the JUCO route um, if I wanted to play at a university or four year whatever. So I uh, was I was getting recruited by a lot of JUCOs. I really was. Um, but that decision to go to Navarro definitely came from Coach Landers. I sat down with him and he pretty much told me that, you know, like he sees potential in me and, and that this would be a great fit for him. And he, you know, this is, he's got a good team coming in. He plans to bring in a good team. And compared to all the other JUCOs that were sort of talking to me, this was like, it seemed like the best um, place that I was going to get better at. Um, and the league too, like, uh, I think it was region. I can't remember if it was either region nine or region 16. Cause I know my other school was one of them, but it was region something. And they have, one of the best regions and uh, NJC double uh, A's uh, conference and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I know I have my family there uh, sort of family slash mentor Adrian. And then I have family in Arlington. So I was like, you know, like if I need people, they're going to be there for me. And I was just like, I get to go to a new state, get to go to a new city and whatnot. So that's, that ultimately led to that. Well, I'm glad that we're on the, the, the topic of JUCO schools because I've, I've had many, many people come on the show and have had such wonderful things to say about JUCO schools. And for whatever reason, I think that there's this odd notion that JUCO schools are kind of this back, you know, back burner, back of your mind. You don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's the last priority. And I would love to hear from, from you, especially somebody that has come from the JUCO ranks and has made their way to the division one level. I mean, how much of a help has that been for you in your career and how much of a difference has it made? Yeah. Uh, there's a term that, uh, somebody adopted his name was Brandon, but he, he likes to say, uh, uh, JUCO product, you know, I'm, I'm a JUCO product. And that's because JUCO, you're, you're, you're fighting every single day. I mean, you're not in the best of, um, circumstances. So, you know, that, that feeling sorry for yourself is kind of out the door, you know, like you, you work with what you got and, you know, you, you have to, and, and being that normally JUCOs are in smaller towns and smaller cities, you don't see as much like, um, nightlife or whatever it may be like distractions is the word that, um, people can like fall into. So, you know, being that I was a freshman and, and, and going into a small city in Texas, like it was the gym, man, that was your best friend. You're in there every single day. Um, you probably don't have, which at Navarro, we had an all right uh, weight room, but um, normally at JUCOs, you don't, you don't have the best weight room. Sometimes you don't even have a weight room and you got to find your ways to grind, man. And that, that gives you a different type of mentality. So using that term, like JUCO product, like it's a bunch of dogs, like you're, everyone's fighting for a position for a four year and everyone's trying to get at the next level. And you know that. So you sort of have a different type of motivation every single day. Yeah, I hear that so many times, just just how that it kind of brings up that that inner beast in you, if you will, just having to kind of fight, scratch, claw your way to the top because you're competing with guys that are even on your own team, which is the, the wild thing to think about. But I know you eventually make the transfer process from Navarro to Otero, another junior college. So I would love to hear just what was that like for you in terms of navigating the, the transfer process? And did you I'm, I'm guessing you went through the transfer portal for that, correct? Yeah, so 
it was a little bit different um, during that time, but uh, I will say my main reason for doing that was uh, my head coach, um, he, we just had a great year. I think we were like 16th in the nation. We went to the conference tournament. We won our conference um, regular schedule or whatever it was called. Um, so we had a really good year. I think we had like four division one, um, four people go to division one and whatnot. And uh, my coach, Coach Landers, actually retired from basketball coaching and he picked up as the AD at Navarro. So a new coach came in and uh, ultimately things just didn't, you know, clash. We tried to make it work and whatnot, but it, it just ended up, you know, seeing like what was best for me and him at the same time. So I was really late. I think I hit the transfer portal a week before school started. And I was just like trying to, you know, figure it out. And I get a call from a, uh, this guy named Cole Dewey, Coach Dewey. And he pretty much tells me that he's like, look, man, you got, you got a week, you know, and, and you got you got to figure out a place, but just know that like out of everyone that's going to call you real quick and stuff like that, I'm going to make it my number one priority that we're family. And that like, at the end of this, like, no matter what happens, like I'm going to be there for you. So like, and he created a relationship in such a small time. I was just like, you know what, let's do it. Let's go to, let's go to Hunter, Colorado. Let's figure this out. And I think that being able to find another coach like that, that is going to develop a relationship with you is so unique because you don't see that very often, especially with that short amount of time. And I think that, you know, clearly that, that, that probably painted a great image in your head of him. And then also ultimately it leads you to where you're at today at IUPUI. And I would love to hear, how did you come about with IUPUI? I mean, how did that kind of all get turned into, you know, you being a part of the team? Yeah. Uh, it, it was crazy. Uh, but I will say that that team, that team actually, you know, made me who I am today and whatnot. Um, we were number two, like we were actually, we were not, we weren't ranked at all. So we were a nobody school. I think last year they went like maybe 500 or something like that. We weren't predicted to do anything. Nobody was looking at us. We were in the back burner of everybody. And this is like his second year coaching too, or at as a head coach. And he, uh, we played the number one team in the nation and it was John A. Logan. And uh, they ended up having like seven division one transfers, like go to somewhere else. And then they had Jay Scrubs, which was the number one Juco player in the world. He ended up getting drafted that same year to the Clippers. And he still plays with the Clippers right now. Um, they got, had Sidney Curry plays for Louisville. Um, they had some other guys, but like it was a, it was a good time. They had that uh, actually the big man for Western Kentucky, like seven, seven, five guy that's got like the most blocks or something like that last year. Um, but they had a really, really good team and we were nobodies, not ranked. Nobody even thought about putting us on the top 25 team. We played them in Indian Hills and we beat them like 16. Like we, we had a great game. Like we won that game and it was, it was a lot of pressure and it just changed everything. Like our mentality was always, you know, like we're going to win this game going into it. But once we did, man, we kicked it in and we ended up winning like 16 games in a row. We were undefeated going into like Christmas break. And then uh, we got back from Christmas break and things kind of fell off a little bit. Um, I think we lost like two straight and then, you know, we won a couple and then we lost a couple here and there, but the team was really, really good. Um, and we were together. Like that was, that team was right here um, through thick and thin. And we, uh, we fell into COVID that year. So um, the recruiting was there um, before COVID. And, you know, like I talked to my coach and stuff and I talked to some of the players and like, yeah, man, about to have these open runs like these coaches are going to come through and like you know like we made some noise this year like they're definitely going to be looking at us and 
COVID happened. We go to spring break. We don't ever come back. Everything's online. And it was tough, man. It was, it was really hard because you, you stopped hearing from people. And if you did hear from people, it was just, it was like a phone call and you didn't know if they were going to hit you back. Like you just, it was really, really hard for a recruiting process. And, um, it was a little bit different in being, it was the start of COVID. So, uh, I get a call from coach Rim. Um, he was the interim head coach, um, not this year, but the year before, so two years ago. Um, and he pretty much, he pretty much told me, he's like, Hey man, I watched your game. He's like, uh, I, I think that you would be a great fit for us. Like, you know, he's like, he was like the, the first division one school to offer me. You know, I heard from a lot of schools, but he was the first one to offer me. And, you know, I was just like, we're in, we're in July or, you know, we're, we're getting close to July. And I, the, the unknown is unknown. And he's telling me this is what's going to happen. And, you know, this is how I'm going to be here. And this is what he sees for me. And I was like, you know, I've, I've worked so hard to, and my goal as a, like the second I, played basketball for my freshman year. Seriously. I was like, I want to play division one basketball. So I was like, I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to go to IUPUI. So when you're going through that whole entire, you know, fiasco with COVID and whatnot, and then you're arriving at IUPUI, what was that like for you? Just, I mean, again, you're, you're last time that you were on a basketball court, you're not having to wear a mask or having to wear gloves or anything. And then the next time you're on a court, completely different setup, right? Completely different situation. How much of a shell shock was that for you when you arrived at IUPUI? Um, it, it was, it was a complete shell shock. I mean, when you think about it, like you, you have to go through so much protocols. There were so many different protocols and, and then also having to wear a mask, man, like having to wear a mask, like while working out, it's just like, you just really can't fully get that, that, that intensity that you want. Cause you're being waterlogged by a, a paper mask. Like, it's not the greatest. So, um, being able to find gym time at that too, like, it's like, you're, you're limited to certain things. Like if someone has COVID and you know, you're in quarantine, like you gotta stay in your room. Like, and it was a lot being, you know, that we're downtown Indianapolis and, and whatnot. So like, it's hard to avoid, you know, those certain situations where you're going to be surrounded by a lot of people and maybe get infected by COVID and whatnot. So it, it, it was, it was a different adjustment. Um, and just, a different adjustment for me because I came from La Hunta, Colorado with, I don't even know, like probably like 4,000 people. And here it's like 300,000, like, like it's, it's a big city and whatnot. So that was an adjustment at itself on top of COVID. So it was, it was difficult. I'll definitely say that it wasn't for the fame and whatnot, but it was, it was hard. Well, I think it's incredible that you were able to, to to get through that. And I think also just with all the different stops that you've had along the way, it was probably a kind of a good easing into that process for you, right? Just being able to kind of slowly but surely gradually get yourself into that into that process. But I want to go into last season because you had a tremendous, tremendous performance, setting a program record for a single program game in, in block shots with seven, also picked up your first double-double. I mean, how do you plan on building off of that performance heading into this season? Um, confidence, man. I mean, once you've played division one level and especially at like a higher level, um, sort of like we did, you know, the teams that we play, we play some pretty good teams. Um, and, and seeing that, you know, you're able to do those things. Like I think one of my biggest things in JUCO or anything before I got here was my confidence, man. Like sometimes I didn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't quite there and it, that, that it needed to be. And I gained it last year. You know, I think I had a great summer that summer. So I knew that I was going to have it. And, and I just continue to do that this summer as well, man. Like when you, when you go out there and you build that confidence, like you, there's nobody that can really stop you and stuff like that. And I think that like having that mental 
um, that right mind going into this year as I'm, as I plan on to, but especially last year was my biggest thing. I was like, man, I'm going to work, but I'm definitely going to get at a place to where I believe in myself. Well, I think you also have definitely had the taste of what you're capable of doing. And, and you've had a feeling of, you know, what I'm, I'm able to do this and perform at this high of a level at the division one level. You know, I, I think then that's when you start to realize, you know, the sky's really the limit for you now going into this season, what's kind of the outlook you have for this team. And I mean, what do you think this team is capable of doing this year? Um, so being that last year was sort of a struggle and whatnot. I think our biggest thing is focusing on that. And I know a lot of people will be like, okay, well, you know, without years in the past and whatnot, but we like to embrace it. Like we had five people call them, or we had, I had six people uh, at first um, and we called them the iron six and we kept them, they were, they were jailed and they were here. You know, that, that sort of like culture of like where you were wanting to help one another and you're helping one another and you were fighting against all odds because nobody cared like what was going on was just in the back of their head every single day, you know, working and whatnot before, you know, I got injured and then it became five um, people and they continued to continue to work um, despite the numbers, no matter what was in front of you, you know, we're still going to play this game. We're still going to give it our all. That's right there. It's like, we're bringing that into this year and bringing in with these new guys and, and, and giving that them that responsibility that's held on them. Instead of throwing it behind us, we're like, Hey, like we're going to embrace this and we're going to go into this year um, and make some noise. So, my expectations is to definitely make some noise is to shock some people. And we know people are going to doubt us and that just gives us a chip right now. Now we, we have something to look back on and, and look towards the future and prove people wrong every single day. Now, early on in the, the preseason with, with, you know, practice and whatnot, how have you noticed your team improve from some of the things that might've lacked last year? And then just again, improving upon that already early on during the preseason. Yeah. I mean, every day is a struggle. Um, I, I mean, I, for anybody, you know, you got to be able to be mentally locked in um, every single day. And, and you, we're, we're starting to build um, building blocks, right? And what I mean by like, it's going to be a struggle is, is you take those hard times and you embrace them, like, like, you know, running and, and getting in shape and stuff like that. That stuff's not easy. Like, that's not for the eight. If it was easy, then everybody would do it. But, you know, we're division one basketball players. So we're going to embrace that. And we're able to do that every single day. And, when we take those strides and we've made them currently, we're, we're still making them and we continue to um, build days or it's the sky's the limit. I mean, we're, we're, we're building to the top and we're going to keep going. And especially, Hey, I think the other thing is you don't want to be peaking right now, right? The, the, this is the worst time to be peaking. You want to be peaking in December, okay, January. Yeah. You want to be getting into the conference play. That's when things start to really firing up for you guys. But Jonah, it's been awesome to get you on the show today, my friend. I've had an absolute blast hearing about your journey before I let you go. And you might've already answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I leave all my guests with this question and involves kind of a, a realization or an epiphany as to when you had that realization or the aha moment that you could play basketball at the division one level. So for you, when did that kind of go off in your brain? You said, I can definitely do this. Well, um, I, I won't like downplay myself right away. So yes, it, it definitely was my last year or, you know, like where I was like, okay, I can, I can really make some noise um, as confidence wise, but man, I've known I can, I can hoop and I could play since probably my sophomore year. Like I want to embrace this journey if I didn't believe in myself truly, truly. Right. So I would say my aha moment was like, uh, my sophomore year, right? Like I came from a guy that didn't make my middle school team, never really played basketball. I worked all summer my freshman year, made it, made it my freshman year, played freshman, didn't touch JV, didn't touch varsity. 
I make JV slash varsity my sophomore year. And I just continued to to build like, and once I, once I realized that and I was able to play, I had a really good game. One sophomore game. I think I almost had like a double, double. Um, it was against the number one team in the Nate or in our, in our state, they won state like every other year, or they went back to back, something like that. They were named by Heights. And I just, uh, I remember I had like a good dunk and I dunked on somebody and I was just like, okay, I look at it. I was like, okay, I can, I can really make something of myself for this. Well, you've definitely done that, my friend. And uh, you continue to prove a lot of people wrong. And I know that you and IUPUI are going to prove a lot of people wrong this year, my friend. Good luck this season. Stay well, stay healthy. Would love to get you back on the show down the road, especially as the season picks up. And again, thanks so much for stopping by today. Thank you. And there he goes, Jonah Carrasco. Another fantastic episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Riding the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine Twenty RTP All Capital, Instagram at Riding Underscore The Underscore Pine Underscore, and on TikTok at Riding the Pine All Lowercase for all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All 260 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews. And again, folks, keep your eyes and ears open for some great guests coming out on RTP down the road and also get very excited for the amount of guests that we'll have coming from one school in particular. I don't want to give it away because they've been awesome with allowing me to highlight their athletic department as well as their athletes. And I am very excited to continue to do that moving forward. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Ride in the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.